0: Strap on the boots and scrape up the knuckles. Oh,
1: and a
2: hit!
0: He got jacked. This is The Big Red Rage.
1: Presented by Santan, Ford, and Gilbert. Murray's going to score. Touchdown. Slammed to the
3: ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. <laughs>
1: the Rage is brought to you by Santan, Ford, and Gilbert. Right on the price. Right on the corner of the Santan 202 freeway in Val Vista. SeatGeek, your ticket to great seats. And by Arizona Cardinals Podcast. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcast.
0: The Red Sea is rising up!
1: Temperature rising, vision, blurring, rage. Take it, over. Here's Paul
4: Calvisi. I'm ready. I'm 100% ready. I'm telling you I'm ready. And Ron Wolfley.
0: It doesn't get any better than that. Unleash the fury!
4: A singular player in Cardinals history, Pat Tillman, was one of the most unique people to ever walk amongst us. In fact, his statue stands outside the Cardinals Stadium for all to see. But very few know what's displayed inside Cardinals HQ. A very special Big Red Rage. We call it our Cardinals Folktales Legendary Locker Edition. The story behind the saving from an almost certain destruction of Pat Tillman's locker back in the day. You know Cardinals Folktales, Wolf. It's number one in the series. The story, and rightfully so, of Pat Tillman's legendary locker that is now behind glass, outside the Cardinals locker room, essentially a museum piece. And you also know how what we like to say about Cardinals Folktales, this Emmy award-winning series that you can't spell history without the word story. But what about the word folktale? What does that mean to you? How would you define it?
0: Yeah, Paulie, that is a great question right there. Well, first of all, folktale, it's got to be a story. So it's got to be a story about a human being. And it's got to be a story about a human being doing legendary things. That, to me, is my definition of a folktale.
4: That would definitely define Pat Tillman. Uh, Someone where football did not define Pat Tillman. We both know that. We both... Go back to the days when he was a star at ASU and then a Cardinals draft pick. And to this day, um, look, we're both asked about Pat Tillman. I, I know you are. And what do you say when when people ask you about the late, great Pat Tillman?
0: You know, for the most part, Polly, I just say, let me tell you a story because this really defines who he is right here. And I tell him the story about when I ran into Pat Tillman, who was walking out of a bowling alley, pushing a 10-speed, a bike with him and i was that it was so weird i i said hey pat what's up man how you doing you know and he said hello and i said pat what would you do did you ride your bike here and he, he said to me, yeah, I did, as a matter of fact. I said, what, do you live around here? He said, no, I live about 10 miles that way. <laughs> and I said, you rode your bike here? And he said, yeah, I'm training for a triathlon. I remember that. Training, yes, he was training for that. And I was like, Tilly, what, what are you doing? I mean, you, you're an NFL player. Don't you have enough challenge right there? I said, why, why are you doing that? And he said, uh, I just wanted to test myself and challenge myself. That just blew me away, Paul, and yet it says so much about Pat.
4: It does. In fact, all the Cardinal strength coaches at the time said, no, don't do it. That's counterproductive to being a football player, the explosion you need. You don't want to run marathons and do triathlons, and you know what? Pat did it anyway. Look, if you ask me about Pat Tillman, I think of the epitome as someone who thought for themselves, right? Yeah. They they felt it was ultra important to educate yourself in so many different ways. He had that insatiable curiosity about him. You know, you think about Pat Tillman, not just the football player, but the Pat Tillman scholars as someone who had a 3.9 GPA at ASU. He, just, he was always driven by by seeking knowledge, right? The need to experience life and what he got out of his 27 years you can only hope to get out of a full lifetime compared to Pat Tillman
0: yeah and for me Paulie too it's just I've got to bring it back man I got to bring it back to the white lines the football field the gridiron and mother gridiron and how tough Pat Tillman truly was I as a football player um, I'm sorry I, I know what he did and the way he gave his life for our country um, in service to so many others. But for me, the, the fact that he walked in between those white lines as well and endured so much and absorbed so much damage while giving damage uh, on the football field, to me, so impressed with him. That's, My number one takeaway from Pat. He still holds the Cardinals all-time
4: record for tackles in a season, more than 220 tackles in a single season. Think about that. This is a a seventh-round pick in 1998. He he came out as a tweener. He was the Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year at ASU, but where was he supposed to play in the NFL? So he lasted to the seventh round remember his first training camp as a rookie wolf we were in flagstaff he came in he was hellbent on making a statement he was telling him you need this physicality you need my mentality and he defied the odds he made the team and then started 10 of 16 games as a rookie
0: and then of course his leadership and how he would impact others paul guys around him were inspired by pat for so many different reasons
4: we know his football career. We know his status as an American hero, and we're going to get into all that and his entire story, how his legacy really is captured in Pat Tillman's legendary locker. When we come back on this very special edition, our Cardinals Folktales edition of the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Four and Gilbert. And welcome back, everyone, into the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford. I'm Paul Calvisi. And as we noted off the top, our game plan revolves around an encore presentation of Cardinals Folktales, where we like to say you can't spell history without the word story. Well, if you were to go from the Cardinals radio studio about 50 yards to my left, you would hit the Cardinals locker room. And before you enter, you would see a locker behind glass. And there's a reason why that locker once belonged to Pat Tillman. So as we look at the makeup of NFL rosters and we see long shot players and low round picks who might be able to defy the odds, it's hard not to think of the greatest Cardinals example of that ever, at least to me, Cardinals seventh round pick in 1998, Pat Tillman. He was far from a lock that year. He's considered a tweener between a linebacker and a safety, but he had a plan. Make the coaches take notice. And as someone who covered Pat, both ASU and the Cardinals, it was impossible not to notice Pat. If it wasn't the hair flowing out of the helmet, it was just his style of play with total abandon. I mean, he didn't just wear pads. He used them. So although we might know Pat's story, what's the story behind the locker? that was seconds away from total demolition. Well, here's that story. Cardinals Folk Tales, Legendary Locker. Every year, NFL teams conduct their fight for 53. That's the size of an NFL roster, 53 players. And those names will always vary year to year, heck, week to week. But the Arizona Cardinals have a 54th locker and that nameplate will never change.
1: Pat Tillman,
3: talk about a guy with a lot of heart.
4: Passion is kind of an important word for me
5: whether it's you know
4: playing sports or whether it's you know just living or whatever you're gonna do you should, in my opinion you should be passionate about it or else why, why do
6: it? He's pretty legendary just for being the guy he was that the, being true to himself challenging people around him, uh, you know, never being dull or just taking things for granted or being complacent. He was always
3: searching for knowledge. I think it was important to save the locker. As time goes by, you start to forget about things that happened in history. I didn't want Pat to be forgotten.
4: Legendary locker with the forever nameplate, Pat Tillman. This is Cardinals Folktales presented by 72 Soul, where we go in-depth into Cardinals history all-time anecdotes through the personal recollections and memories of those who lived it. We hear their words, their voices. My name is Paul Calvisi. I've covered the Cardinals since late 1995, the end of the Buddy Ryan era. I've been the Cardinals' sideline reporter since 2005. And as I can attest, you may think you know some of these folktale stories, but as I found out, as even team historians have found out, we don't. Like this story, this folk tale revolving around the most widely known figure in Cardinals history, Pat Tillman, and how his legendary locker was saved with a last second interception from a buzzsaw, literally by a
3: longtime staffer. I didn't really get the idea to kind of preserve the locker until uh, 2006. I always put it in the back of my head, like I want to save this locker, that would be kind of cool. And I just didn't know when renovations would take place. sitting there eating lunch at oregano's and they're taking place so i had to do something
1: when you know the cliche if you cut somebody open they bleed cardinal red that's that's omo so it was fitting that you know he would be the one that has his finger on the pulse of that and in the moment immediately recognizes how significant this is to preserve
4: Before we get to that locker, the museum piece on display, showcased for all to see at Cardinals HQ, we need to understand Pat Tillman. Notice how we didn't say the football player, Pat Tillman, because Pat was so much more than an athlete.
5: Pat Tillman, what can I say? Just all-around good guy. Not cocky, very confident, soft-spoken. Liked to sing Desperado (laughs) and liked that movie.
6: Immediately, I kind of liked him. He had long hair. He didn't dressed nice he was just such a unique genuine dude that people you know uh, were endeared to him
7: he was a different kind of guy you know he was a flower child if you will you know of course at the time I didn't have any clue that he would go on to become the hero that he became but you know he was a different type of dude he would ride his bicycle to practice every day
4: those are the voices of former Tillman teammates Larry Centers Jake Plummer and all started by former linebacker Mark Maddox Thing is, if you asked Pat to talk about himself, something he seldom did, I'm not sure that football player would have made the top three things he'd say about himself. To know Pat was to know that Pat was about the next achievement, the next challenge, the next curiosity. Longtime Cardinals beat writer and Arizona Republic columnist, Kent Summers.
5: As a player, just passionate to the point of borderline. Is this guy human? I mean, can a human actually play that hard and have such disregard for his body and play the game that way and never, I mean, there was just one speed, you know, one gear. There was, you know, as Dave McGinnis used to say, that the guy has a switch, not a dial. You know, you just flip it on and it's the same same speed.
4: When Pat put on the pads, he used them. He was all in, like everything else he did. Pat never did anything half speed even when the drills were designed to be half speed. That was Pat in his first NFL training camp as a seventh round tweener. Just hit anything and everything that moved. I watched it in person. I covered that 1998 training camp in Flagstaff. I watched the decision makers take notice that the guy in the football uniform belied the dude in the surfer shorts and the flip flops. Here's former Cardinals wide receiver, Frank Sanders.
7: I think Pat probably deserved flip flops and a surfboard somewhere in some Oakley shorts and a, a real nice golden hair. And that's it. Like playing football never seemed like he should be there until he put on his pads. When he put on his pads, a different person showed up.
6: I understand you hit pretty hard. No, not me, <laughs> a different guy. I'm In the middle of the
5: field, that ball's incomplete. Wow the helmet of the intended receiver as he gets crushed back there by Pat Tillman.
6: Pat Tillman, the blade, he knocked him right in the helmet with a forearm and just slapped that helmet off.
7: Even as a rookie, we used to have to call him off, you know, some some practices. We were, you know, just fit up on the uh, guy with the ball, but he would uh, come in and demolish the guys, which was a really good tactic and it worked out great for him because it got the coach's attention. Oh!
6: He brought that same kind of FU mentality to the Cardinals. I mean, rookies don't hit receivers in, in OTA days, but he would lay some wood on a guy or like put an elbow in him and get in fights. And he really upped the competitiveness during practice. You know, guys didn't like him because he would hit you or rough you up or do what he ever, whatever he felt he needed to work on. And they ended up respecting him because it made everybody's level come up. He was a tone setter.
4: Let's just say that Pat would routinely exceed the perceived practice speed limit, but that's how Pat forged an NFL career. That's how Pat made the Cardinals as the 226th player taken in the 1998 draft. How he caught the coach's attention, even though he was the reigning Pac-10 defensive player of the year. But at the NFL level, was he still a linebacker? Was he fast enough to be a safety? Pat made sure none of that mattered because all he did was turn guys into tackling dummies that entire camp. Even though it landed him in the NFL's version of a coach's timeout, former Cardinals head coach, Vince Tobin.
2: And the one I remember was a wide receiver that he got in a fight with They ended up having to throw them both off the field because every time the play started, well, there'd be a fight between those two at the end of the play. And so uh, I sent him in.
4: But as Vince Tobin himself would admit later the Cardinals needed that mentality that Pat Tillman brand of physicality and fight that Tillman too because remember the Cardinals were still in the same division with those Cowboys teams coming off Super Bowls and physical East Coast teams from tough towns playing bully ball like the Giants and Eagles and Washington once again former Cardinals quarterback Jake Plummer
6: you look at someone like him who's similar to me We were too small, too slow, not strong enough, not smart enough. All these excuses for why we shouldn't be there, yet we just, you know, we threw that all aside and said, yeah, we're supposed to be here. He congratulated me, and I guess he was one of my advocates. He was talking me up, so where the hell were you? All right, thank you. Appreciate your help, Jake. He said that I got to give him 15% of whatever I get because of his good talk. So it might not be much. So we had that chip on our shoulder and that confidence, that quiet confidence about ourselves and belief in ourselves. So we were kindred spirits
2: right away. Pat became a football player simply because of will and determination. He wasn't really big enough, strong enough, fast enough to play in the National Football League, Uh, but he willed himself to become a good enough football player to overcome those limitations.
4: And it's something that Pat had already done plenty of, Define the doubters. A quick personal note, I covered Pat during his years at ASU and then his early years with the Cardinals. Before that, I'd known of Pat through our high school alma mater, Leland High School in South San Jose. We were both from the Almaden Valley, which you might have seen featured in some of the Pat Tillman documentaries. His future father-in-law was my high school baseball coach. We were seven or eight years apart or so, and I still remember my dad calling me during Pat's senior year of high school. Hey, guess what? He said, Leland is in this section title game. And I cut off my dad. I say, come on now, Pop. Um, have you been drinking more of your red wine again? Come on. So no, no, no. They've got this Tillman kid. He's a running back and nobody can tackle him, and he's a better middle linebacker. He's all over the field. So when people talk about Pat's ability to inspire and lift others. People rightfully cite the fact that the last time ASU went to the Rose Bowl, it was Pat Tillman and Jake Plummer. During Pat's rookie year in the NFL 1998, the Arizona Cardinals won their first playoff game in half a century. And my response is always, you know what though, Pat's greatest team achievement was leading his high school to a title because believe me, the degree of difficulty there, Pat's high school hasn't come close to winning before or after Pat.
2: towers of the World Trade Center have been hit by aircraft, both are in flames.
5: There is a black smoke coming from both of the towers, uh, it's a horrific
8: scene here. There are fire crews just screaming into this area from every conceivable direction.
4: You know, t- times like this you stop and think about just how, not only how good we have it, but what kind of a system we live under um what freedoms
1: were allowed you know my my great-grandfather was at pearl harbor and a lot of my family has given up you know has, has gone and fought in wars and and i really haven't done a damn thing as far as laying myself on the line like that and so i have a great deal of respect for those that have and what the flag stands for the
4: voice of pat tillman september 12 2001 the day after the horrific events of 9 11. In fact, on September 11th, Pat Tillman was at the Cardinals facility, and he wandered through the media area and sat down to watch the news coverage as it unfolded with Cardinals beat writer Darren Urban.
6: He was like, what we do playing in the NFL, he goes, we're worthless, we're actors. He goes, that means nothing. this This is so much bigger than that
3: there's probably no better time to talk about a guy who took 911 to heart and made a life-changing
8: decision based on his feelings, something he felt he needed to do. It was sort of the, you know, man bites dog story. Like this doesn't make any sense. He's right on the verge where in discussions with his agent about potentially extending his contract and he decided I'm gonna walk away from this. But you know, it was just six months after 9-11 and it was only three weeks after he got married to Marie his high school sweetheart. And it was about one week after they got back from their honeymoon, uh, he joined the Army up in Colorado and then went on to become, you know, part of the Rangers and one of the leaders. Cardinals owner
4: Michael Bidwell. As Pat had just set a team record for tackles in a season, his jersey was worn by fans all over town. Plus, there was the business of football as Pat was on the verge of cashing in on a mega contract and he literally left it all behind.
5: My reaction was, was just, I was like, I just kind of had this big smile and started laughing to myself like, this is completely believable. I, I mean, I did not expect him to join the Army, but as I processed it, I like, yeah, yeah, okay. That, of all the guys in professional sports in, in the world, he's the one who would do that.
4: Pat would leave that Cardinals locker room to join a different team with a different plan, defending his country. And his former teammates remember the reactions like it was yesterday. Frank Sanders, Jake Plummer, and former head coach Vince Tobin.
7: I saw Pat coming out of the building, and I was coming in um, where the players normally go in the lower area. I was coming into the gates, and he was going out, and I say, hey, Pat, how you doing? What's up with your contract? He said, bro, I'm probably gonna go to the military. I said, what? He said, yeah, I'm gonna go to the Army and be arranged with my brother. I said, what? You, you going to do what? I want to serve my country. That's what I'm going to do. I say, brother, God bless you. I just kind of was like, oh, that sounds like Pat. You know, what can you do? I, I remember getting a call from
6: Mike Devlin, who was my center in my rookie year, and now was a coach with the Cardinals. He said, hey, you got to call Pat. He's, he's about to do something that, you know, I don't know if he should do this. It's, you know, he's given up all this money and giving up the game, and I don't know, you should give him a shout. And I, I kind of chuckled because I was like, if Pat makes his mind up, if he's made this decision and his wife hasn't changed his mind, then what good am I going to be to go try to change his mind? I'm not going to piss him off before he goes to fight for our country. I gave him a hug and told him I love him and hey, be safe out there, man, because there was no change in his mind.
2: Well, he was all in. He believed in what he believed in and uh, believed it very strongly and uh, acted on what his beliefs were. A lot of people have beliefs, but they don't act on them, and uh, he did, no matter what he was doing, whether it's on the or not
6: he believed in himself so much so that he did something that no one could fathom he would do and go give up millions of dollars to go fight for our country well for Pat it was just life that was what life was about was doing what you believed and, and
4: living your life and what's amazing is as media friendly as Pat was as a player all the interviews that Pat did when he was at ASU and the Cardinals you can search the internet all you want Good luck trying to find any interview that Pat did as a soldier. Once again, Kent Summers from the Arizona Republic.
5: One of the things that really resonated with me was his refusal to talk about it, ever. It's like, I'm not in it for that. I'm not in it for the stories. I'm not in it for a future movie or to set myself up for business later. I have my reasons for doing it. I'm not going to share them. They're my reasons. So
4: Pat left his Cardinals locker behind for a footlock one more aspect of a person who could have done virtually anything he set his mind to and quite often, Pat did just that. Former teammate and longtime Cardinal staffer Anthony Edwards on Pat's selfless act.
5: To serve. That's humility.
6: I choose to serve my country. I choose to go this route instead of this one. The more popular vote would be stay where you're at, continue to do what you're doing.
5: But he didn't feel that was enough that wasn't satisfying to him. So he chose the other.
4: And that's former Cardinals receiver, Anthony Edwards, who said it so well in Cardinals Folk Tales that Pat was all about service to his team, to his community, to his country. I think like a lot of media members, we walk into that Cardinals locker room, you can still hear Pat's laugh. You can still picture him with his teammates, you know, and it was that locker of Pat's that was spared the wrecking ball from the demolition crew in last-second dramatic fashion. And when we come back, we'll hear how that locker-saving play, how it unfolded, how Pat's lasting legacy is memorialized in other ways. As we continue with his encore presentation of Cardinals Folktale's legendary locker, On the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert, we are Santan Ford. And welcome back to our special encore presentation of Cardinals Folktales' Legendary Locker here on the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert, we are Santan Ford. I'm Paul And If you go to State Farm Stadium, you'll see the Pat Tillman statue. There's Pat Tillman's name and number in the Ring of Honor. At Cardinals headquarters, there's Pat's Locker. And that's what we're talking about here tonight, the legendary Locker. And last we left you here during Cardinals Folktales, Pat Tillman was making that selfless decision to leave football and a multi-million dollar contract behind to serve his country. As we know, Pat lost his life in action while serving with the Army Rangers in Afghanistan and not only hit all of us in Arizona hard, a lot of us vividly remember that April morning, but our nation mourned as well. And we pick up the story of how Pat's legendary locker still stands today with a salute from Tom Cruise at the Espies. The
8: news came out of Afghanistan that an athlete turned soldier was gone. And when we heard the news on that April day, it stopped us all in a long and profound silence. And we all know why, because Pat Tillman was a transcendent figure in the life of this nation.
4: Word of Pat Tillman's death came out early on the morning of April 22, 2004. Fans created memorials at the Cardinals facility and in Pat's hometown of San Jose. I remember waiting in line at Sun Devil Stadium to pay respects at an impromptu memorial. The news hit with the ferocity of a Tillman tackle, and it struck owner Michael Bidwell and fullback Larry Centers the same way.
8: It was a, it, I mean, it was a gut punch. It was a kick to the stomach. And I, I remember I was, I was standing in my closet that day, getting ready for work and to head into the office, and my phone rang. You know, it sent shivers down my spine, and, and we realized. It's gonna be shocking news to everybody.
7: I was in Dallas on the golf course. I was playing with a couple of guys who, who played in the NFL and one of them got a call or a text and said, hey man, Pat Tillman just died in Afghanistan. It was a jaw-dropping moment. I remember exactly where I was. Like, I'm sure a lot of the teammates can tell you exactly where they were when they heard the news. As news traveled
4: through the Cardinals facility, it reached the locker room. Longtime trainer, John Omohundro.
5: It weighed on us, impacted us a lot. And uh, thought started going through my mind uh, a way that we could memorialize him or remember him in some fashion uh, in the training room. I went down to PR, asked him to give me a photo of uh, Pat. Uh, I took it and had it framed, put it up over the tape table. So every day, everybody that came in got overseen by Pat, and guys would get up on the table to get taped, and uh, they could uh, maybe just pass thought on trying to live up to his standards of toughness and dedication, being a warrior, just all the things that Pat was. The
4: Tillman player photo that John Omohundro referenced, well, if you walk into the training room today, that framed picture sits in the same exact spot just like it did, days after Pat's death.
3: I think there's a wow factor to it. Take for instance J.J. Watt, when he signed with the Cardinals he took a picture in front of it. It means something to him. He's very familiar with the story. He's involved with the Pat Tillman Foundation.
2: I've obviously long been a fan of Pat Tillman. What he stood for, uh, who he was, and everything about his legacy is, is unbelievable to me. So to be here, to be walking the same halls that he walked, and to see his locker was special for me. It made me
3: feel good to see him, the guy of his level, standing in front of that, and it means something to him.
4: That's the voice of Jim Omahundro, longtime Cardinals broadcast producer more than two decades on the job, while his father, the aforementioned John Omohundro, spent 42 seasons as a Cardinals athletic trainer. A couple of other longtime Cards employees, Darren Urban and Dave Pash, give us the scattering report on Omo. I would paint Jim Omahundro in this way. Um, he works for the team, but I feel
6: like in a lot of ways, Cardinals DNA is literally in him.
3: So I've been around the Cardinals my entire life. My dad was an athletic trainer for the team for 42 seasons. I like to say I was negative 9 when he started with the team. And uh, so I was literally born into this organization. I couldn't imagine it any other way. Cardinal football means so much to him. Uh, outside of the Bidwells who you know grew up with Cardinal football, I can't think of anybody who uh, has a closer connection than the Bidwell family, than the Omahundro family. Uh, because of the time and the energy that's been spent rooting for the team.
4: So when people ask, how exactly did the Tillman locker end up encased in glass when every other locker is no moss? Well glad yes. because remember earlier the story that we thought we knew, but didn't? Well here we go, 2015, the Cardinals locker room, it's a hard hat area. Not your typical football helmets, but construction workers.
3: The day after the super bowl kind of slow around the facility so i come over here to oregano's just to get a normal lunch so i order a slice and a salad and i'm waiting for the food so i'm scrolling through twitter i see a tweet by darren urban that alerts me to the renovation starting at our tempe facility so i freak out there's a photo with a destroyed locker on the ground so i had ordered my lunch it hadn't come yet and i'm like i gotta get out of here so i throw 20 dollars down onto the table and i'm out of there i just run to my car drive down, get to the facility, run through the parking lot, run through the auditorium, the weight room, the training room, step into the locker room. The carpet is all torn up. The glue from the carpet is there and it rips my shoe off my foot. So I'm hopping around the corner to see two lockers on one wall and about four lockers on the other. There's a guy with a saw walking directly for Pat Tillman's locker. I said, wait, 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 wait. Don't cut that one out. That's Pat Tillman's locker. So that's what happened and uh, prevented it from being destroyed. And that is
4: quite a series of events. I mean, think of how razor thin that margin was. One more stoplight, perhaps, or almost stopping to unglue his shoe. And that Tillman locker would have been turned into lumber. That caught
8: the attention of Cardinals owner, Michael Bidwell. I found out an hour after it happened that Jim O'Mahundra was walking through and said, wait, don't touch that. And, uh, and so we're like, OK, we don't know what to do with it right now, but we're going to do something. And then uh, because we were doing a renovation of the building, we looked for an area where we could uh, put it. And the designers found what I think is a perfect entry area right outside the locker room. So it's, it, it's a perfect area. And it's, it's really a landmark within our building and uh, serves as an important reminder for his sacrifice, but also his spirit.
3: Everybody who goes out to the practice field, they walk by it. Everyone who comes in from the practice field, they walk by it. And if you look at the old footprint of the locker room, it's literally on the other side of the wall, kind of diagonal from where it was. And I think that's pretty cool. It's kind of hallowed ground in a way.
4: Remember, it'd been over a dozen years since Pat had left his locker. So over those years, a number of
3: other players use that locker. Pat's final year in the locker room was 2001. So every year after that, I would kind of look to see who had that locker and I'd make it a point to go up to him and say, hey, you know whose locker you are sitting in? And they're like, who? I said, Pat Tillman. Some of them looked at me like I was nuts, like what? This is Pat's locker? You know, some that come to mind, Gabe Watson, former defensive tackle.
7: Omohandro told me he shared the same locker that Pat Tillman had, and I'm like, are you serious? You know, you, you hear the stories behind him, and it's only a few people that can say I shared the same locker. It's just an honor to just be in any company with him.
3: John Fullington was a reserve offensive lineman who was the the final occupant of Pat's locker, and he was genuinely touched. I, I told him, and he he was just like, I'm honored. He didn't know what to say. So, um, you know, you see guys that maybe had that locker, then you see guys that in future years will walk past that locker, and you kind of get the idea of what they might feel about it.
4: You know, the first time that you see Pat's locker on display, and as someone who sees it on a daily basis now, it is a heck of a first impression that makes for a lasting impression. Here's VP of Media Relations' Mark Dalton, followed by former
1: Cardinals' Larry Centers' and Anthony Edwards. When you get to that spot, it's almost a universal reaction. People just stop and conversation ceases and they just take it in and there's like a
7: solemn moment of reflection, um, which is really cool. Keeping his legacy alive, I think that's a big uh, step in the right direction. You know, the generations go on and and the people, the players come and the players go. But to see him immortalized in, in that way and appreciated by the organization i think that's a really good move by the team
5: it's a reminder as
6: a player that's leaving out of the locker room going to the practice field here's someone who was dedicated committed to excellence and whatever he did so let us do the same thing and take it to the field today and be our very best so it comes as a reminder of striving for
3: excellence each time a guy walks by they're gonna see pat and his locker there and remember you know hey you could be having a crappy day you could be complaining about little things and then you see that and you check yourself a little bit say okay there's thousands upon thousands of men and women all over the world serving our country and you know they can't afford to have a bad day we can afford to have a bad day so you've got it pretty good
4: in the nfl everyone is looking for impact players in Cardinals team history, and that is going back more than a century. Not a single player on the field and off combined has had a bigger impact than Pat Tillman.
5: Pat Tillman was all about team. And if you can walk past that and not get something inside of you turning, we got some issues
3: go back to the whole idea of you know it's not what you say in life it's what you do we can all talk but ultimately it's what we do and i think the lasting legacy of pat tillman is this is someone who did who believed in something and was willing to risk his life for it
4: that's voice of the cardinals day pass preceded by former cardinals linebacker mark maddox make an impact players today when they see pat tillman's locker it says challenge yourself to do as much with your life as pat did in his 27 years to me that's what pat's locker stands for and that's why it still stands today for all to see
6: to me when they keep his locker alive and his his uh, legend alive there it's telling the players to like live your trueness be who you are and like Hey, you know don't go against the grain just because you want to go against the grain but if you have a feeling and it's a thought and it's something you believe in and if it's against the grain do it and trust yourself because pat was like that
4: there you have it, Cardinals Folktales' legendary locker. The one locker that will never change nameplates. The same locker where we used to witness Pat reclined between practices taking a snooze to refresh for what was next. And that's just one tribute to Pat's greatness that seemingly everyone has a story. In fact, I'll share a quick one with you here. I knew a guy at ASU, went to school with him, and he told me years later that he was Pat's next-door neighbor for a spell. One night, he got home from work, he pulled into his driveway, and he couldn't help but notice, there's Pat on his roof. His buddy of mine gets out of his car. He's half stupefied, and he yells out, Hey, Pat, what are you doing on your roof? And Pat looked at him, just watching the sunset, dude. Just watching the sunset. And that was Pat. He took nothing for granted, and he inspired others to do the same. But how do you convey that? How do you pass that along? How do you honor that? Well, the Cardinals do just that every day by putting Pat's locker on display at their training facility. Thanks for joining us, everyone. I'm Paul Calvisi. This has been Cardinals Folktales Legendary Locker presented by 72Soul. Thanks for listening. Stories like that, and so many people have stories regarding Pat Tillman. That's how his legacy lives on today. If you go to the Pat Tillman Foundation website and they state how Pat's life and principles and service that's his true legacy. How Pat's family and friends started the Pat Tillman Foundation to carry forward that legacy. If you go two days after his passing, it was the NFL Draft 2004, and then Commissioner Paul Tagliabue wore a black ribbon with Tillman's name on it and, and a helmet pin with his number 40. And, and there was Paul Tagliabue while flanked by five Marines in Madison Square Garden, and he told the audience, quote, Pat Tillman personified the best values of Americans and the National Football League. And we know Pat's legacy is personified, by Pat's Run which is held annually in Tempe and when we come back we'll bring back and talk with Ron Wolfley who covered Pat watched all those games from Sun Devil Stadium both ASU and the Cardinals as we continue with this encore presentation of Cardinals Folktales Legendary Locker presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Welcome back to this very special edition of the Big Red Rage, our Cardinals Folk Tales legendary locker edition, all presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert, Paul Calvisi, Ron Wolfley, and the story behind the saving. Literally, saving Pat Tillman's locker from a certain destruction. Within seconds, Wolf, we heard the story Man. of how our own executive producer, longtime producer for the Cardinals, Jim Omohundro, he saw a picture posted by Darren Urban of the renovation of the Cardinals locker room, and he just ran a 4 <laughs> out of the restaurant where he was having lunch. And if he would have hit one more stoplight, he probably wouldn't be able to make it in time back into that locker room to save Pat Tillman's locker. And as we say... There's 53 players on an NFL active roster, and then the Cardinals have designated their 54th locker, where the nameplate will never change. It is behind glass, and it's quite a story as to as it all
0: transpired. Yeah, Paulie, you know, it's incredible. You stop and think about it, man. Um, Just the fact that Jim Omohundro would be the guy. He would be the guy that would actually burst in and save Pat Tillman's locker. You know what a historian he is. He's the best game day producer on the face of the planet, yet at the same time, This guy is a historian, man, for Cardinal football, and the fact that it was him who actually came in and stopped them from literally cutting right into that locker and everything that has happened to that locker since, that's exactly what a folktale is, man. This is a folktale about a folktale. Legendary acts by human beings.
4: You know, players to this day see it for the first time, and it stops them in their tracks. Yes, J.J. Watt most recently, when he showed up, he stopped at that very locker. Dennis Gardeck. We've talked to Gardeck, the Barbarian, about it, have we not, Wolf? Yes. And, you know, he current players. You know, most of them are so young; they've only read books about Pat Tillman. But it's what that locker says to them. And to listen to them tell it, Wolf, it essentially means, okay, can you get as much out of your life, out of your career, that Pat Tillman did? A guy who was barely drafted a seventh rounder and then went on to achieve so much, not only in football, but obviously in life
0: itself. You know, I love that, Polly. That is a great thought. There's no doubt about it. You know, you think of Pat Tillman, though. The statue, of course, is what I think of at State Farm Stadium and the Tillman Tunnel at ASU and... You know, just the, the legendary impact that this has had on so many football players and so many Americans, the ultimate sacrifice of Pat Tillman and what he did for this country and for everyone who serves this country and for his teammates as well. It's truly inspiring.
4: Yeah, yeah, that's a great point about the statue of the Tillman Tunnel. How about the bridge on the Arizona-Nevada border named yeah. after Pat Tillman, the USO centers worldwide? I, I know it was a couple of years ago. I was like the fifth assistant coach for my son's Little League team, right? Everyone had to introduce themselves, and they said, what do you do for a living? And okay, and who have you interviewed? Who have you interviewed? And I named you know, Larry Fitzgerald, Randy Johnson, old-timers like Joe Montana, Michael Jordan, LeBron James. But when I named Pat Tillman, everyone stopped, and everyone <laughs> wanted to know more about Pat Tillman. That's how his name resonates even today.
0: Truly just an incredible human being, Paulie. I know that you and I over the years, of course, have talked about our relationship, just knowing uh, Pat Tillman from time to time and the respect and the regard that we have for him. Can't be measured with human hands. When my son was born, actually, I bought him a jersey. It's the only jersey
4: I've ever purchased for him, and it's a Pat Tillman jersey because it's about so much more than football. Football did not define Pat as he went on to serve his country and his status now as an American hero. I hope everyone enjoyed that Cardinals folktales, legendary locker. Special thanks, Jim Amohandro, Ron Wolfley. I'm Paul Calvisi. This has been the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert.
1: been listening to the Big Red Rage. Presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. Right on the price. Right on the corner of the Santan 202 Freeway in Val Vista. The Rage is brought to you by SeatGeek. Your ticket to great seats. And by Arizona Cardinals Podcast. Visit azcardinals.com podcast. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Arizona Cardinals Football Club.